NBA show brought to you today by SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better, simpler way to buy. With SeatGeek, with their seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available, too. And best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek. Geek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add promo code. Enter the promo code RINGERNBA. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks once you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code RINGERNBA today. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert. Kevin! Chris, sometimes I feel like I need a list of nicknames for you, but I don't have any except for Verno. So everybody calls I, you Verno, though. How's yeah, it going, I Chris? I, I, I don't mind. I, your, your, your name is given to nicknames. I saw somebody, uh, <laughs> somebody hit you up on, uh, I believe it was, instagram and tagged me last week and called you kevin o comment uh yeah yeah because only because i congratulated you on your <laughs> your new thing with the grizzlies <laughs> i like kevin i like kevin o comment you, you are a very positive commenter kevin o comment yeah positive commenter yeah that's true i, I try to be positive chris <laughs> all right so the the events of last evening all surrounded this you had some weird circumstances with the Cavaliers going to play against the New York Knicks because it started off the day started off so strangely with the New York uh, with uh, the Cavs riding on the subway and it being chronicled uh, via social media, and then you also had these whole LeBron comments hanging out there uh, that he had made in Dallas about how the New York, uh, that Dennis Smith, the point guard, rookie point guard for the Mavericks, should be a Nick. So that raised the ire of the Knicks. They started to comment on it, and now the game's taking place last night, and Frankie Nicotine does the little bump with LeBron. LeBron pokes his chest out. Now Cantor's in the mix, and we've got quite a little fracas. It looks like, uh, you know, the MSG is going bananas. And it looks like these uh, this Knicks team, this young Knicks team, is really going to stand up for themselves against LeBron. LeBron had tried to clarify and say it was more of a dig at Phil Jackson and then kind of <laughs> poked the bear uh, in his canter a little bit. But anyway, as that all plays out last night, what are you thinking? I'm thinking to myself that this is just beautiful to watch in, in the sense that like we got LeBron at Madison Square Garden, kind of leading this comeback along with Kyle Korver, just draining threes in the fourth quarter. And, and the Knicks do what a lot of youngish teams do, not that they're really young, but um, some of their core guys are, where they just kind of crater in the fourth quarter. Uh, Le- LeBron and the Cavs showed what they can do when they actually play with a whole lot of effort on, on the defensive end of the floor. But also when Korver's really on fire like he was last night, it, it was just overall just a fun fun day of basketball it reminded me of a reality show in some ways like like you mentioned all the storylines throughout the day it led up to just this big comeback for the Cavaliers it was exciting I, I was I was thrilled watching the game last night and, and it's like if you if you didn't watch the game 
Pat Muldowney, who works for our social team at The Ringer, he tweeted last night, the Cavs-Knicks condensed game on League Pass is an absolutely thrilling 15 minutes of basketball. It's beautiful. So I would recommend you just watch that if you have League Pass and if you didn't watch the game last night. I bet it's a blast. Let's do a rewind to when this all began, and that was the LeBron comments. And it was meant, I think, as praise for Dennis Smith rather than a shot at the Knicks or who they drafted. And a shot at Phil Jackson, too. For sure. All right, let's strip all hurt feelings away. Is he right? Will the Knicks live to regret not taking Dennis Smith? What do you think? No, I like both guys. I like both guys a whole lot. Maybe, maybe one of them turns into like this, you know, ridiculous star level player, but I didn't have them all too separated as prospects on, on my draft board. I had Smith ranked seventh, Nilakina ranked ninth. They're pretty much equals in my eyes, honestly. And, and I think they're just different types of players. So maybe Smith ends up way better, but Nilakina's defense is outstanding. I said last night that if he doesn't get any better from what he is today, He's going to have a long career because his defense is that filthy. So, look, Smith is better right now, but at the same time, he's about a year older. And Nilakina is somebody who is very raw on the offensive end of the floor, but he's also got great passing vision and, and, and um, good passing accuracy. It's just his handle needs to get better and his shot needs to get better. Um, but Smith needs to get better at things on the offensive end, too, including passing and and decision making and his defense also needs to get better as well so it's like they're kind of inverses of each other in some ways as players and i think both of them could pan out to have very very good high productive long careers smith probably has a chance of being a superstar a more traditional point guard superstar because of the his athleticism so in that sense lebron's right but at the same time nilakina could be a terrific point guard as well Okay, well now I'm really going to put your feet to the fire. I'm not letting you. I'm not letting you play both sides here. It's not playing both sides though. It's hold it's, on. It, hold, both hold, hold guys on, hold. are really good. All right, then hold on a second. This is what I'm doing. This is, you are playing both sides because you are saying they're both really good. Here's what I want to know: the pick is there. The Knicks have the pick. Smith is available, and Frankie Nicotine's available. Which one do you take? And I'm throwing Donovan Mitchell or Monk or any of the others out. You are just, you know, you are taking a point guard. Which one do you select? I'd be taking Dennis Smith because he was the highest ranked player I had. I had him seventh guy on my board, and that's the guy I would have taken. But at the same time, so I, you do agree with LeBron. Yeah, I already said I agree that Smith probably has the higher, the higher chance of becoming a superstar level player because of his athleticism. So LeBron's right. That's fair. I guess I phrased it. Yeah. yeah. I phrased it, will they regret, will they live to regret not okay. taking him? Yeah, and your, yeah. your answer was no. I don't think they'll regret it, but Smith could end up the better player for sure. I think just because of his, I mean, anybody who's watched him in Dallas, I mean, the way he pops as an athlete, I mean, it, it, the way his, how quick his first step is, Smith is a guy who could be like one of those superstar scorers. Doesn't mean he'll get there, but he has the upside too. And you can't say that about every guy. Like, like I don't think you can say that about Nilakina. Nilakina doesn't have the upside to be a superstar scorer. And that's really the, what I think a lot of people want in a point guard in today's league. But Nilakina, I don't think Smith has the upside to be a high-level, top-notch defender like Nilakina does. I, I don't think Dennis Smith necessarily even has um, the passing vision that Nilakina does. So, I mean, they're just different types of point guards, different types of players. In some ways, like it's almost, it's almost hard to compare them because they're so different, even though they play the same position, the same general position. Um, 
But I mean, look, I'd take Dennis Smith for sure. So in that sense, LeBron's right. They're all going to regret not taking Donovan Mitchell anyway. <laughs> He's looking damn good, dude. I have all the stock. I have all the stock. I'm not selling any of it. I'm not selling it. <laughs> and now, especially if they're going to be losing for a couple of weeks here, somebody's got to get some buckets for him. He is certainly, I think you could look up and he has a pretty outstanding two weeks as his role grows even more and they lean on him more as a scorer. Um, nothing really else of premier interest last night happened in the NBA. Obviously, I watched the I watched the Bucks Grizzlies game and last week on the NBA show, one of the things we talked about when they attained Bledsoe is I said I think there's going to be these stretches where they can really strangle you out defensively. Watching them in the first half, I wondered where that was, and then they came out in the second half the Bucks did and the Grizzlies simply could not score on them. And in fact, until Maybe two minutes left in the third quarter, they were sitting on like a seven point quarter or something like that. And they just have this, you know, if kid can really harness them, like I said, Kev, if he can really harness them and what they've got now and get them all to play on a string, their length is something that just cannot be replicated by virtually anyone. And if they can score the buckets to set up in half court defense, because they're not as good in transition, oddly even though they are long and athletic. But when they get set up in that half-court defense, there are certainly times where it looks like it is so hard for you to find any available space because they're just, it feels like if they all stretched out their arms, it would go all the way across the court. So I was pretty impressed with, with that, at least. And there are signs there, though their their defensive metrics so far have not been good. And And weirdly, you know what? When we had that discussion last week, Kev, I got a lot of feedback from Bucks fans saying, yeah, they'll play like that and Bledsoe will really help as soon as they fire Kid. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you gotten that sentiment a lot that Bucks fans are out on Kid? It seems to be mixed. I think yeah. I think with Milwaukee, I mean, I didn't watch last night's game, so I can't speak to that. But speaking generally, their defensive system two years ago, three years ago, whenever it was, they had like a top six, top seven defense. In some ways, offenses have maybe figured that out because it's so overly aggressive the way they really hedge or trap on so many pick and rolls. Sometimes they lazily switch screens. They're always kind of funneling their entire defense to the strong side, and that opens up corner threes or it opens up passes to the to the opposite side of the floor which creates defensive rotations which uh, if there's some metric i've seen it was in the locker room of a team and i forget which team it was but they had a metric on their wall written it said you know their points per possession for passes from one side of the court to their other and it was like when we have three passes we score x amount of points per possession and what i'm what i'm getting at is with milwaukee is you can get their defense rotating because they're so overly aggressive and i think that's one of their problems where just passing over their length has been a difficult thing to stop for milwaukee but at the same time like you said last night's game which i didn't see when their defense is on and when they're forcing turnovers and when they're really just wreaking havoc in the passing lane, you see the potential of an elite defense. So in that sense, it's like, yeah, sure. Maybe right now it's horrible. They have like a bottom five ranked defense. They don't do much of anything well if you look at any defensive metric, period. Their pick and roll defense is horrendous. But at the same time, the upside is so significant when the with the pieces that they have. So maybe you just stick with Jason Kidd, have some patience, and see if they can figure things yeah. out on the defensive end. Because the because the personnel is 
unreal if it does work out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know the metrics aren't good. I'm saying as an eye towards the future, which is when the stakes are the highest, the game slows down and there are going to be those segments of the game that they can make it really difficult, simply personnel wise. The yeah. only thing I would say is they are slight, meaning the guys are super long, but I feel like they need a little toughness, right? Maybe in the paint. Because there's nobody that really stops you from going to the basket. And that was, I mean, last night it was just a function of, you know, I'm aware you didn't see it, but anybody can look at like the league leaders last night. And Tyreek Evans had 27, most of which were all just straight line layups. Once he would beat a man, there's nobody there to offer the resistance. And they, they got a lot of, you know, it's like Henson. And they got a lot of Don, Don Maker. They got a bunch of, like, they're really tall and they're really long, but, man, they're skinny, and you can body these guys. And if they run up against somebody that's willing to get a little physical with them, they could use somebody with some toughness, somebody with some bulk on that team that could really take them over the top. That's true, but at the same time, I think in today's league, the best type of room protection you can have happens on the perimeter. And like they've just been turnstiles, you know, on the perimeter, which has really put their bigs in very compromising positions on the inside. So I think if you're if you have lockdown guard perimeter defenders, nobody can stop the elite point guards in the league. But if you can at least steer them into a defense or put them into a uh, less advantageous position, I think that's the best type of rim protection that you can have. And that's where hopefully for the Bucks, Eric Bledsoe helps over the course of the season because he he's probably get the chance of being their best perimeter defender if he's able to get himself all the way back to what he was early with the Suns and what he was with the Clippers. That will kind of have a domino effect on the rest of their defense if he can, but at the same time, everybody else needs to as well. Everybody else on that team needs to defend at a higher level on the perimeter, better man-to-man defense, and just not allow that penetration because that's what leads to kickout passes. That's what leads to closeouts. That's what leads to uh, an offensive player attacking a closeout. Swinging the ball for three. That's what allows so many open shots is when that defense gets moving. So I think it all needs to start from the top with their perimeter D. And clearly fun to watch Giannis, who had another big game. And he's just, he's so clearly always the best player on the court. All right, I'm going to ask you five questions about things that are going on in the league right now. The first of which is... We have this intensely long win streak that the Celtics are on. It is a 12-game win streak. They have won without Kyrie Irving. They have won without Al Horford. Obviously, they've won all of them without Gordon Hayward in the fold. I would suppose they're pretty big favorites tonight, and they're playing against the Brooklyn Nets, who are having to make their way without D'Angelo Russell. I, I would be surprised if the win streak does not go to 13. How has the 13-game win streak happened in your mind? What What are the most significant things in your mind about, uh, I'm sorry, the 12-game win streak so far? <laughs> Don't want to jump the gun against the Nets, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah, really, I mean, in some ways you really don't because you never know. But at the same time, I mean, I think it's really two main things. A, Brad Stevens. B, defense. Uh, just, just this mixture of personnel on the defensive end of the floor they have so many long athletic guys that know how to make the right plays defensively guys like younger players like jason tatum and jalen brown have been terrific on the perimeter for them shemi ojale as well i mean i mentioned guard defense in regards to the milwaukee bucks just look at boston as well Uh, marcus smart and terry rosier have been terrific on the defensive end of the floor as usual 
Aaron Baines has been a high energy, um, really productive, reliable big man for them in the middle. Um, again, like you mentioned, that's the type of guy the Bucks are lacking. Al Horford is one of the best defensive big men in basketball. They have just so many good players on the defensive end of the floor, really up and down their roster. Even Kyrie Irving is defending well. Even someone like Daniel Tice on the back of their bench has been reliable as well. It's just it's crazy how they don't have any weak links on the defensive end of the floor. So that's the main thing. And then offensively, they haven't even been great offensively yet. Um, partially because Kyrie shot his three pointer hasn't fallen so far this season. Um, partially, obviously, because of lack of Gordon Hayward. Partially because guys have missed games. But at the same time, I think that's what it comes down to, where their defense is really been the foundation of their success but then brad stevens has helped put guys into good positions on the on the offensive end of the floor it's been remarkable that they've somehow won 12 games in a row they could have lost a lot of these and probably should have lost a couple of them um but at the same time it doesn't take back from the fact this team is playing at a super high level the other thing you can say regarding the offense is hey this is like the first 15 games that these guys have ever played together for the most part yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're all they got they got all new players. The defensive thing is surprising because it does speak to scheme. There's two there's two things. Number one, they lost Bradley and Crowder. So I think if people you know people thought they might take a downturn, um, numbers wise, that it might be them. Be, uh, that it might be on that end of the court simply because Bradley is an outstanding perimeter defender. Um. And Crowder, the metrics, say whatever you want about Crowder, and, and especially how he is uh, disappointing so far with the Cavs, <laughs> the defensive metrics for the Celtics with Crowder out on the court were very, very good last year. Uh, right? He Defensive data is so bad. Whether you want to attribute it to him or not, the number, he was a big plus-minus guy for them. I think what we're seeing now speaks, Chris, to kind of the weakness and in, in the reliability in some certain defensive statistics because anybody mm-hmm. with two working eyeballs or one watching Jay Crowder could see how his defense has degraded over the past mm-hmm. couple seasons ever since his sprained MCL. He's not the same guy he once was. He's often flat-footed right. on the perimeter. Guys blow by him. We talked about that with Milwaukee, how guys on the perimeter need to ha- be their rim protectors. Crowder, Crowder has gotten worse in that sense. And I think some of the, I think in regards to Bradley, he is an elite defender. And for him, the metrics don't really say that he is an elite defender, which is just blows my mind in some ways. Because again, anybody who watches Bradley can see how much, how many problems he gives guard, uh, smaller guard defenders. But that's the issue is like against larger players. Um, on Sunday, I believe it was Boston against Toronto. We, you kind of saw the difference in having a longer, taller guy. A guy like Jalen Brown defending DeMar DeRozan rather than having to put Bradley on him. That's where I think kind of the difference has been. They're just bigger. Um, and so if, if that can be used as a knock against Bradley, then that's fair. Uh, I, I think I think that's a fair statement to make. But how he what he does against guards is terrific. But I think the size Boston has has made a difference for them this season. And, and just to be frank, I think Ojale and Jalen Brown are both better defenders than Jay Crowder. It's crazy that Ojale, Jalen Brown, and Tatum can all be playing minutes for that team that's got a 12-game win streak going on. I mean, it speaks to, hell, maybe maybe uh, Danny Ainge's brain doctor knows, but typically <laughs> it's very hard to meld in young players like that and win a lot. Typically, if you're going to play a bunch of young guys, you're not winning a lot. Even we have seen, I mean, 
outstanding young players in the past. And I get it, right? They're getting to play with Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and some other guys. Um, but generally, you know, we, you know, Westbrook Durant and Jeff Green and that that group, they didn't win like immediately. Um, and 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 there's been tons of teams that had good young talent on them. Um, but that roster construction and those I think it speaks I, I I actually think that it speaks to those particular players and how mature they are. Um and I feel that way. I've seen the uh, you know, when I see interviews with Brown, when I see interviews with Tatum, these are incredibly impressive kids. I mean, really impressive. You can tell they're they're more mature than most their age and they got really good heads on their shoulders um and so i think that you know listen those those kids have been they've been unbelievable they've been unbelievable i you typically don't see it you don't see young players being able to win like that, that that's a good point about the maturity like we've we've talked yeah. about this on this pod before about how you know some of these 19 year old kids come in they have the maturity of a 16 year old some of them have the maturity sure. of a 22 year old and so that that's true for some of Boston's guys that they got oh yeah i've covered all kinds of kids that were either one and dones or right uh, you know maybe maybe two and dones but you're talking you know 19 20 year olds and i mean i i don't want to belabor this point but there is so much that goes into the transition of becoming an NBA player that it is so much more than just the basketball and playing more basketball and games than you are used to in the past. Most of these kids, you know, for the first time, they've got all kinds of money in their pocket. They're traveling, they're on the road. Chicks are waiting in hotels for them. Uh, you got, yeah, they, they, a lot of them have never, you know, even seen a checkbook in their life. And now all of a sudden you got to pay bills and you're out on your own for the first time. And like, there's just so much that goes into it's not easy to be a rookie. Right. And you got to have a good group around you and people help to make it happen. And that's all outside of the basketball stuff. So anyway, I'm super impressed with those guys. Uh, I, my buddy, David Thorpe, formerly of ESPN, uh, had a funny tweet this morning that was, uh, I, I, well, I found it humorous. Uh, given how much these two particular individuals have been hammered for their lack of defensive prowess, that Kyrie Irving plays 31 minutes on the best defense in the league and Carmelo Anthony plays 32 minutes for the second best defense in the league. <laughs> these are things yeah. that you would have never suspected, right? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Next thing, we had touched on Avery Bradley. Question number two. All right, so we touched on the Celtics and their win streak. The Pistons are 10-3, and and they have now won uh, five games straight, have the the Detroit Pistons. They are there. uh, I mean, pretty much everybody else at the top of the Eastern Eastern Conference standings are those that we would have suspected, right? Um, There's nobody... If we were if we were at the beginning of the season, we would add the Celtics there. We would add the Wizards there. We would add the Raptors there, and then we we would add the Bucks and the Cavs, maybe the Heat up there. So you've got a, a little party crashing going on early in the season with the Magic and the Knicks, but the Pistons are the ones that stand out the most because they're eight and two in their last ten. They've won five games in a row. What do we make of the Pistons? Um, and 
How big of believers are we in what they've got going on lately? I mean, I don't think they're going to sustain their win percentage, but at the same time, what they're doing just feels more sustainable to me. Um, I, I touched on this, you know, earlier in the month when it was like super early in the season, but kind of some of the tweaks that they've made to their play distribution on the offensive end of the floor. They've gotten a little bit more creative, more dribble handoffs, less post-ups. They're not leaning on the pick and roll quite as much, so they're not overdoing it. I, I just think their offense has been a bit more dynamic. Um, and, and so for me, on the offensive end of the floor, again, I don't know if they're going to stay as like a top 10 offense, but I, I think they can at least stay in that range. And they just have some better personnel. I mean, Andre Drummond has performed way better this season. Tobias Harris has taken a huge step in his game. Avery Bradley is better than Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and he's been really terrific for them on both ends of the floor. He's, he's scoring when he needs to, averaging about 20 points per game this month, and also playing his typ- typical terrific defense. I like Anthony Tolliver getting him back after they had him a couple of years ago. He's been solid off their bench. Rookie Luke Kennard had a great great night against Miami the other night. Um, Really one of his first chances of the season to really get extended minutes. They just have a lot of good players. So, I mean, I don't know if they're going to continue being a a team that wins 10 out of every 13 games or like three quarters of their games. They're not going to be that great. But at the same time, I think they're a legitimately good team. And if you're a Pistons fan, that has to be super exciting considering the low expectations heading into the season. I I don't know about you, Chris, but like when you think about this Pistons team, doesn't it doesn't it seem like this is almost what some people thought was going to happen last season or the year before that? Whatever it was, they had their their good season um, two years ago, I believe it was 2015-16 season. 2015 to 16 season, they had the 44 and 38 record. So it was last season. I think a lot of people expect them to have kind of a good follow up year, but instead it's happening one year later. Yeah, because I think that uh, I think generally we thought that Stan Van Gundy's a good coach. You know, Stan Van Gundy's a good coach, and maybe his general manager prowess had been in question, right? When he is then in charge of running everything, uh, but it. They did not take, they had good enough players, we thought. And I know they got kind of riddled by injury. Um, but things went really wrong uh, with them last year. I think you could win. You mentioned him in passing. You could win a pretty damn good bar bet if you went around asking people who the Pistons' leading scorer is. And you mentioned him, Tobias Harris. He is leading them in scoring. He's averaging 20 points a game. And Kev, the numbers. He is shooting 48% from the field, but more shockingly, 51% from three on six attempts a game. I mean, we, at least 13 games into the season, Tobias Harris is an all-star. He, he's been awesome, dude. I think Tobias Harris yeah. is always a guy like we watched and, you know, he scored 17 points per game twice in Orlando. Um, he scored 16, oh, a little over 16 points per game the last two years in Detroit. I mean, just the, the raw counting numbers have always put him kind of in that above average class. But watching him, he's always been a guy where, especially in Orlando, he was leaned on at the end of games. And sometimes he had those moments where he looked the part of a guy you would lean on um, over the course of a full game, a guy that you felt capable of entering that 20 points per game threshold. And that doesn't make him necessarily a great player. And when I say great, I mean great. But 
He's a very, very good player. Only 25 years old, just entering his prime in Detroit. I, I think in some ways he kind of got forgotten about a little bit. Um, he's not going to be your centerpiece, but I think he can be one of the guys that you have on a really, really good team. And right now the Pistons are really, really good. Well, and you and I had talked about this um, over the course of the last season where with some of these guys, you look up and it is five or six years into the career. Maybe, you know, I think there was a common refrain years ago that you would know what a player was within three or four years, right? You'd pretty well know, uh, you know, what his ceiling was. But that's been changed, and clearly it was changed with Steph Curry. Um, but whether it was Steph Curry that we talked about or whether it was uh, even Gordon Hayward, the opinion of him got much, much higher, um, you know, more seasons into his career. Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, um, Isaiah Thomas even, you know, from last year, that some of these guys, it might take five or six years and the right fit for them to realize whatever their possible potential is and certainly again we're early in the season but it feels like Harris has just really found the perfect spot for him uh within because the team is winning and he's putting up the numbers and sometimes it just takes a little bit longer right you would have never suspected that to buy we'd be talking about Tobias Harris being an all-star but at least right now if I had to make an all-star team, he's absolutely on it. And Reggie Jackson's a more mature version of himself this season as well. Uh, I think that's been yep. an important development for them. Um, considering the problems he's had the past two seasons or past two and a quarter seasons in Detroit ever since he was traded there by OKC, he's he's really kind of looking like the guy you would have hoped he would have become, um, playing a more controlled brand of basketball. Um, and and that, that's that's been huge for them as well. Yeah, I need to go back and look. At some point I am, because it feels like that there have been quite a few that we have said year six. If I recall our conversations from last year, that there just happens to be that there were several players where their sixth season could have been a leap. Usually we think of the leap happening in year two or year three or whatever, but that year six, seemingly there have been a lot of guys uh, that have hit that. And I wonder if that is in conjunction in some ways with more of the one and dones, you know, that now, yeah, year six now happens to be 25 year olds. Yeah. And so that used to be year three and four for guys in, in large part, the, the, the more guys that were staying around, but now you're kind of getting into that prime age. Maybe when you're, you might have five or six years into your career, before you're, you're right, you're hitting what would be your prime and sometimes possibly even younger. All right, let's move on to the next one, which is the Pelicans are, as if the playoffs started today, uh, they would be a playoff team. And they have, uh, they're eight and six as of right now, a tick over 500. And you have seen, it feels like on a regular basis, you are seeing these. Anthony Davis uh, numbers come across the ticker and they're just crazy. I mean, he is averaging 26 points uh, so far this season. He is averaging 12 rebounds. He is averaging three assists. He is averaging two blocks and he's averaging a steal. 
uh, so far. He did not have a big game last night um, against Atlanta scoring-wise, but he ends up at the end of the game. You look, and it's 13 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, <laughs> 4 blocks, and not long ago, he had uh, he had gone through a crazy you know, uh, five-game streak. Obviously, we have always hoped that Davis is a kid that can stay healthy throughout. But do you think that there are signs now? Um, and they've won four of their last five games. Do you think that there are signs now that the Davis-Boogie thing can work and that we could look up and they could be a real problem for somebody as the season goes on and possibly a playoff team that we did not suspect. It's certainly possible, but I think it's like we might've hit on this before where, you know, it's, it's really everything else. You know, I think Davis and Boogie can coexist and I think they can work together, but in some ways, a big part of it is the surrounding personnel. And I thought last night was interesting with Elvin Gentry, the way they kind of ended that game. Boogie didn't play much at all the last five, six, or seven minutes or so. It was Anthony Davis surrounded by four shooters on the floor where Davis was just rolling down the lane, getting triple teamed basically um, because nobody could stop him because he's such such a high-level elite Hall of Fame caliber talent. And that was creating open shots for everybody else on the floor. Pelicans were draining threes. Holiday hit hit one. I believe Darius Miller, I think, had three, two or three, three-pointers um over the last five, six minutes of the game. Uh they they just surrounded Davis with shooters. And the thing is, is will that sustain for these guys? Very possible. You know, I mean, they certainly have talent. Um, Rondo's back. We'll see how he helps as his minutes uh, workload increases. Um, maybe he'll work as a stabilizer for them. I, I think they're they're they are just such a fascinating team, though. I mean, I, do you think of all every team in the league, they are kind of the experiment that you are most excited to see how it pans out? Because I I feel that way. I I, I want it to work, and I'm excited to see how it pans out. I've been a huge Davis guy for years and years. I've it, clearly the problem with, with, with Anthony has been able to stay on the Health, court, that whole yeah. availability thing. And here's what worries me even about the recent ones. And it's not like they've beaten a who's who, um, you know, they lost their game at Toronto, but they were right there at the end. But their other wins recently have been Chicago, Indiana, the Clippers who are really swooning. And then that one, uh, what that, one point win last night against Atlanta. Um, but the thing that concerns me, Kev, is the minute totals in those five games for Davis are mm. 41, 41, 38, 40, 38. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I mean, I get that he's got to play that for you to win, but I don't know if I would, especially with a guy that we have not seen be available for a high, high, high percentage of games season in, season out. I don't know if I wouldn't be a little more careful with that guy than playing him 40 minutes every single night. And honestly, you're seeing this a lot around the league. I mean, you're seeing LeBron. It's like these coaches, they, they, and this is, you know, this goes back to the credit that Popovich, he has created a scenario in which he can even play zero minutes for his best players and still be <laughs> able to get wins. But I, you know, we to harken back to what we were talking about earlier with the Greek freak. He plays massive minutes. It feels like he's almost never out of the game. And the same goes with LeBron. 
And now it's kind of like Davis is being treated like that too. I mean, you're talking big minutes that be are being logged by these guys and God, I hope he holds up, but I don't know if rocking him out there for 41 minutes every single night is, is, is the best, is the best mode of operation. If you want him to be able to give you, you know, 75 games. It's interesting. You know, you mentioned the minutes workload that uh, of the, the top 13 guys, you know, in minutes per game this season, five of them play for the same team. You got cousins holiday and Davis all on the same team. You got Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton, both on the same team. You got Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, both on the same team. You got Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, both on the same team. You got James Harden and Trevor Ariza, both on the same team. And then you got LeBron. Um, I think I think there's six on the same team, and then LeBron's the uh, LeBron and Paul George are the singular ones. So five on the same team, two guys singular. So it's like most of these guys that are playing the highest minutes in the league come from the same groups of teams. I mean, like you said, you're not going to see Greg Popovich Spurs players up there, um, but I, I think you're you're seeing you're what you're seeing right now is I think a high risk gamble by some of these coaches playing Davis or Anton Acumpo, but at the same time, they're kind of coaching for their jobs in some ways, in the sense where if you're playing Giannis Anton Acumpo for only 30 minutes per game, um, yes, maybe that is, I mean, not maybe that isn't his best interest for his career. It is. In oh a yeah. No, that's the, that's the hard part, right? <laughs> yeah. Are you, yeah. do you ha- what's the most, imp- what's the most important thing to you? And for, for guys that have uh real stability, real confidence from their front office, they feel like they're in lockstep with them. Uh, they're not worried about their job. The most important thing for them is that you have that full roster available for you when the stakes are the highest, which is the end of the season. But unfortunately, the stakes become the highest tomorrow night in Orlando. You know what I mean? Like for for some of these guys, they really feel like if they if they caught a losing streak or they're not in the standings where they're supposed to be, that they may not be able to keep their job. And so it does dictate the fact that they want to, uh, you know, they're trying to win tonight. They don't care about it. They ain't worried about later in the season. They just win, need to win tonight, and that can be that can be a dangerous game to play. I think with LeBron, just to touch on that real quick, he he had some interesting comment. Maybe it was this past March. I forget when it, when it came exactly, but he said something, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said something along the lines of where playing more minutes has been better for him because it keeps him loose. Whereas like if he's sitting on the bench, you know, for longer extended extended periods of time, that's when his back tightens up. I believe that's along the lines of what he said. Um, but that that was interesting to me. And for an older guy like that, for for some of these younger dudes like Antetokounmpo or Davis, it just seems just so short sighted to me to just play these guys over 37 minutes per game. And I and I hope they stay healthy, but it just seems like the, the risk is significant. Question number four, Rudy Gobert is going to be out uh, four to six weeks after four weeks. He will be uh, evaluated. Last night, they had a game at home against Minnesota in which they lost by double digits. We're talking about uh, a 
fair amount of time for, I think, what most people presume to be uh, maybe the best defensive player in the league, certainly an anchor for uh, the way they play in Utah. With him being out a month, month and a half possibly, and who knows, right? You get you get reevaluated after four weeks. Who knows how much more, how much time they're going to say after that. Um, do you think that Utah's playoff hopes are dashed by having to lose Gobert for four to six weeks? Yeah, I do. I do think so. And the sad thing is, is they're not bad enough where they can say, you know what? Let's hold them out for longer and tank. They're they're still not that bad. They're just floating in the middle because they still have some good quality players. You know, you mentioned Mitchell earlier. Uh, Derek Favors has had some solid-ish nights. Joe Ingles, solid player. Rubio, even though he's gotten off to a not a great start for Utah, he's still a quality player. So it's like they're not quite good enough to make the playoffs if Gobert's out for the full extent of six weeks um but at the same time they're not quite bad enough where they're a team that could just tank and take advantage of an opportunity to get a a star level player they're just floating in the middle um and and that that's a little bit disappointing for utah where the thing is is you know this is just kind of a a counterpoint in some ways if you look at go bear right there there's a segment of jazz fans um who are almost looking forward to seeing them with maybe more spacing on the offensive end of the floor. So that'll be interesting to see that experiment um, with Gobert out over the next four to six weeks. But at the same time, I just think the loss is too significant on the defensive end. He's he's integral to what they do on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, we mentioned again earlier how Milwaukee, how they're aggressive, uh, you know, on the defensive end, how they they trap and they they hedge on pick and rolls. Utah's dropping down to the paint and daring your offense to just go at Gobert because nobody will. But now, if you're going to s- keep that system um, over the duration of his absence, I think they can get picked apart. Um, and they, they, they haven't had a guy that's that's able to step up. Rodney Hood has not yet to not yet to meet expectations um, for them. They they need somebody to just elevate their game, and I don't think anybody has shown that they can. All right, last question, number five, is the Clippers have lost six games in a row. Oof, and two, uh, they, have, they have only won two of their last ten games. Oh boy. Um, now, the six losses are not necessarily miserable. I mean, they lost to the Grizzlies in the Heat. Then they lost at the Spurs, at Oklahoma City, at New Orleans. And then, of course, it was capped off by Joel Embiid uh, talking crazy. Uh, giving them <laughs> big problems and losing up, to Philadelphia la- last night. Um, how big a trouble? Uh, you know, what, what do you think? Do you think this is a blip on the radar, or uh, and and we're going to look back and say, hey, this was a bad stretch for the Clippers, or is this signs of something really wrong there? I will tell you before you answer uh, that the safe money might be to say that something's really wrong there, simply because. Starting Friday night, they are off. God dang, they get to marinate in that Philly loss and this six-game losing streak. Wow. They played last night against Philly. They do not play again until Friday. Holy mackerel. Um, At Cleveland, at Charlotte, at the Knicks, at Atlanta, at Sacramento. So they are about to go on a five-game road trip sitting on a six-game losing streak. Um, Woo. Do you think do you think that this is signs that something is very very wrong or is are we going to look back and say yeah hey, remember when they lost six in a row god they really didn't have it going then 
What do you think? No, they're screwed. <laughs> they're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I was dead wrong about them. <laughs> I told people take the over. You know, their upside is high. You know, they get they get high upside with Gallinari and Blake Griffin and Patrick Beverly. And guess what? Gallinari's already hurt, already out. Doc Rivers, you know, look, he he started installing a ball movement oriented system, but it just hasn't stuck. It hasn't stuck the way the way the ball moves without Beverly and without Gallinari in there with Austin Rivers kind of as your focal point on the offensive end of the floor. They are they are entering their worst case scenario. That was the that was my argument in favor of the Clippers before the season. Well, if Blake stays healthy, if Gallinari stays healthy, if Patrick Beverly stays healthy, if Doc Rivers inst- uh, manages to install his ball movement system, too many ifs. I blew it on, on the prediction with them. Already Beverly out, Gallinari out, and Doc should be out soon too. They're done. Just forget it. You know, it's a lost season for the Clippers and it's sad. Just enjoy Blake and enjoy maybe the last season of DeAndre Jordan. I don't want to remind you that in our season preview, I was mortified by your Clippers. Pick. Yeah, that would be you, you were. <laughs> I was mortified. You were. absolutely mortified in your clippers pick yeah too many i I would never i would never rub that in uh all right we gotta take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and when we come back i'm gonna ask kevin about his uh scouting college prospects and there is a prospect that you did not have in your article that i was Uh very surprised was Uh not in that article i'm not gonna bust you up too bad but there was a prospect not in your article that i was surprised (laughs) was not in your article We'll, we'll do that after these words nba show brought to you today by zip recruiter in need of great talent for your business but short on time you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire you just need the right tools smarter tools What if hiring could be made easier, more streamlined, and less time-consuming? So even when you're busy, you could still be smart about the way you hire. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job will be seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And the easy-to-use ZipRecruiter dashboard lets you manage your hiring process from start to finish all in one place. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs to ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer. Show also brought to you by Captera. It's that time of year again when the days are shorter. Don't waste your precious daylight sifting through a sea of search results when looking for the right business software. Get home on time tonight with Captera.com. Whether you're a startup looking to keep better track of customers, a nonprofit hoping to have a record fundraising year, or a business that simply needs better payroll software, Captera's got you covered. Search Captera's 400 categories of software. Discover the right tool for your business. Anything from email marketing to scheduling to accounting and beyond, Captera makes it easy to find what you're looking for. Best of all, Captera is absolutely free. 
2018 will be here before you know it. So make sure you've got the software your business needs today to help you do what you do better. Join the millions who use Captera. That's Captera, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash NBA. Captera dot com slash NBA. All right, Kev, so I loved the article that you wrote, the NBA Fan's Guide to the Best Prospects in College Basketball, because it becomes that time of the year when you end up flipping around. And there are uh, certainly for NBA fans' interest, and especially NBA fans of horrible teams, uh, they want to check out these prospects, and they look at the mock drafts, et cetera, et cetera. Tonight, good opportunity, right, with Michigan State and Duke playing against each other. Um, so you get to see Marvin Bagley, who... His his debut was just, I mean, you can't do much better than 25 and 10. I think he had in his debut. Uh, you've also got the Bridges kid from Michigan State. And then you have Kentucky and Kansas, which are always uh, loaded with high-level recruits. Uh, and you mentioned one of the kids that is going to be involved in that game tonight. In fact, he was on your seniors list, which is Devontae Graham, uh, the point guard from Kansas. So Kansas, Kentucky tonight. Um All right, so you put together this prospects list. And when you are putting together the list, it mirrors, in most cases, what most people list as the top prospects or the draftable prospects. Um, Do you think, uh, right now, if you were going to say the college player that everyone should really go out of their way to try to see, who? What's the answer to that question? DeAndre Ayton, the guy who led the article, um, Arizona big man, seven footer with a long seven foot five wingspan. I think both him and Mo Bamba from Texas. Uh, you look at the big men in today's league, um, those kind of freakish or unicorn big men, as people call them. We could potentially be having another two of them entering the league um, this coming season. I think Ayton is the guy that has the best chance of becoming that elite level player. Just what he can do on the offensive and defensive end of the floor. He had he had just this massive dunk the other night. Um, but at the same time, like he is more than just an interior, you know, dunk monster. He is somebody who can potentially shoot threes. He is somebody who can attack the rim and 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 I think he's also somebody who can kind of be your patrol man inside the paint. So Aiton kind of is the complete package, but what you're gonna want to watch for with him is just watch his effort. You know, some of the concerns with him are, are apply to Carl Anthony Towns today. Just watch the effort level. Um, and, and that's that's what I think a lot of scouts are gonna be watching because the upside is significant, but at the same time, you know, as is the case with Towns, sometimes the effort or the fundamentals need to be there in order to reach that upside. Yeah. One of the kids that you mentioned, this is not a college kid, but we do need to keep this in mind, especially when we're talking about, hey, these kids would have a chance of being the number one pick. Luka Doncic. Is that how you say it? Doncic? Doncic. Luka Doncic. Okay, Doncic. You know what's crazy is about a year ago, maybe it was a year ago, um, when when last year's draft was taking place, um, an old friend of mine, Sonny Vaccaro, the legendary shoe executive, used to come on with me every week. And I would talk to him about 
prospects and I would ask him, you know, uh, so many of the people that were either involved in the business side of basketball or were actually still involved in front offices around, um, they would, he, he would still keep up with who are all the best players and who are the best prospects. And, and they would kind of give them his list and draft boards. He'd write them down and then he would deliver them to me. Um, and I recall last year, it's a year ago, I had no idea who Luka Doncic was. And he said I, there must have been something going on. There must have been some kind of international thing that was going on because we were getting ready for last year's draft. And I asked him about those particular players. And he said, I'm telling you, every NBA guy I talk to, all they want to talk about is the kid next year. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he said this, Luka Doncic, that people think he can be like a superstar, superstar. Um, and it wasn't just one like NBA guy that told him this. This was several. And so this guy has really piqued my interest. And every once in a while, I'll see like Mike Schmitz or somebody put like a, a clipped video on Twitter. And I'm like, my God, like he looks, <laughs> he looks ridiculous, Kevin. <laughs> he looks great. And he's getting better quick too i mean yeah. just maybe six months ago people were like well you know maybe his three-pointer's not for real you know and that's fair right because he's only 18 years old <laughs> um, but already he he is quickly escalating his play um on both ends of the floor he i mean the thing is is like you know we're talking about college prospects and that's what the article is about but yet luka Doncic is the guy you know really everybody should have eyes on i mean monitor his play and his development any way you can because he's number one for me um i know draft express has his number has him number one as well i don't know of an outlet that doesn't have him number one um and i think to your friend's point this year it's it's become a cliche to say oh well this year's draft is even better but you know at the same time this top five and i wrote about this in august this top five does have, have a chance to be better. Um, I think the guys up top, Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, Mo Bamba, Michael Porter, all five of those guys would arguably have maybe had a chance of going number one this year over Fultz, over Ball, over Tatum, the top three. All five. Where are you at on Porter? I mean, that was a massive coup for... Uh, Conzo Martin. He was able to bring him along with him once he got the Missouri job. I know the kid sat out last night with a leg deal, but he was, I think, by most recruiting analysts' uh, opinion, the highest-ranked guy. Like most yeah. people thought, Michael Porter Jr. was the best player in the class. Um, the track record for whoever is considered the best track, uh, the best player in the class, has usually been rather good where are you at on porter and why is he not um if he was amongst his peers considered to be the best of that particular class why is he not a sure thing to be if it's not the international uh kid luka Doncic? why is he not uh, a sure thing to be uh the number one pick i don't think there is a sure thing i think you know Aiden porter bagley bamba all those guys can make a push for the number one spot I think they absolutely have a chance. So when I say don't just number one right now, he's just the consensus number one um, for really everybody entering the college season. But any of those four guys, I think, could make a push, including Porter. I mean, his game, he's six foot nine, six foot ten, long, 
lean, you know, versatile player. Um, he's somebody who could become an athletic go-to scorer for your team. Um, he he's he's really, I think, one of the more interesting players in the sense that what he needs to get better at is ball handling. What he needs to get better at is getting to the rim. What he needs to get better at is shooting off the dribble. So those are important traits for a guy who projects as a go-to scorer. So, you know, in, in the article yesterday, I said, is he going to be more Otto Porter or is he going to be more Paul George? And that we're going to start to find that out this season once we actually get a chance to see how his ball handling has developed. Because that's the key thing, his handle. And if that comes a long way for him, he could become one of the ne- league's next great scorers um, of the next era. And I think that that alone is an exciting development to watch this year. There's just just so many guys this year where there's little things to watch for um, that could really elevate this draft, the top of this draft class to just one of the more exciting levels that we've seen in recent years. Porter could be great. I absolutely love the kid at Michigan State, Miles Bridges. Yeah, he's awesome. People can watch him tonight. He is one of those guys that I watch and I go, all right, we will we will decide what the ceiling is, but I'm telling you what the floor is, and there is zero percent chance that kid is going to suck. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> He's just Agreed. he he is he plays too hard. He is too skilled. Um, I was absolutely stunned that he went back to Michigan State, and we will see. It probably will serve him well, and he will probably get drafted, and he would have. But he would have absolutely gone in the lottery last year. I believe that wholeheartedly. And I get it, right? Like, there's very few. Zach Randolph, Deontay Davis. I think those might be the only one and duns that Izzo has ever had. Usually it is the the Draymonds and the Denzel Valentines and the and the Charlie Bells and guys that are veteran players in college basketball is usually what they're stocked with at I guess Harris was two years, right? Gary Harris was two, two years. years yeah. So yep. yeah, it, there's been he, some he could have a one and done this year. Jaron Jackson Jr. Yep. Um, freshman big oh, man. I think I think he has an opportunity to go to go one on one, and he's a guy who could kind of push for that top five um, if he has a big season mm-hmm. for Michigan State. All right, so people can check out that. That'll be great tonight because Bagley will be on the same court uh, for Duke as Miles Bridges, who I love. So people can uh, go uh, check them out. Those two are going to be on tonight, and then uh, like we said, Kansas and Kentucky. All right, so there is one player. So I would alert everybody, go check this out. Uh, This is the NBA Fan's Guide to the Best Prospects in College Basketball, written by Kevin O'Connor, and uh, it'll give you a little primer as to who to go out of your way to check out. There is a player that is not on your in your article that I was surprised. I expected to read about him in the article. Do you have any guesses as to who that might be? Hmm... Troy Brown. It is not Troy Brown. Okay. It is a kid that I became aware of most, uh, mostly from flipping on the ridiculous Harlem Globetrotter style McDonald's All American game. But then it piqued my interest, and I, I ended up as I was watching it, um, I went and did the whole look up what he's done, look up the mixtapes and whatnot. And then even, and I'd kind of forgotten about it until Friday. The college basketball season gets kicked off. CBS Sports has a game between Memphis and Alabama uh, that I'm going to oh, watch. Colin it's at like Sexton. 5.30. And he, because he's involved in that FBI thing, 
he had to sit out of the game, right? He had to sit out of the game, so he wasn't even available to play uh, in that first college basketball game. But during the course of the game, obviously the announcers are talking about the fact that they've got this super high, high level recruit and he's not going to be able to be playing. Uh, but, you know, here's kind of who he's been compared to. And, and I mean, they're bringing up names like Kyrie Irving. And I mean, like some of the best players you've ever heard of. And they start showing this like highlight package and it jogged my memory again. And I mean, anybody can go look this kid up, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, this kid is outrageous. He won the dunk contest at the McDonald's and his head, like his whole neck is damn near above the rim on some of these in-game dunks on his tape. His handles are really like, like he does the Kyrie stuff. He really does. Um, you know, he, he appeared, I think he's like six, two or something like that. Um, he just looks like, I mean, I don't know. My first glance watching him and watching those videos, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Give me that guy. Cause he, he looks, he looks like he, I, 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 I foresee like very little circumstance that that kid is not unbelievable. He is fast as shit. He, he jumps out of the gym. His handles are crazy. Like, why is he not considered like the best guy? Maybe I haven't seen all of them enough. I like I like Colin Sexton. You know, I, I wrote a when we did our way too early mock drafts. You know, I think it was in September or early October, whenever it was. I had him going seventh to the Pacers. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I like Sexton a lot. I think you know what you would especially like about him, Chris, too, is he he's got swag, man. Like. In the oh, article yeah. I just mentioned, He's, the mock draft, you, there's, there, you can look up video of him. Dude dances during timeouts. He's gotten into scuffles with another prospect, Jalen Hands. He's got his his catchphrase. That's what I do, man. Straight up. I mean, he's he's got, he's got swagger, man. No, you mentioned that Jalen Ham. So when I was watching the videos, there's like six of him like getting in fights with that kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, like evidently they have had this rivalry for the ages it'll be like i mean you're talking like two million views on some of these it's like uh colin sexton and jalen ham come you know almost come to blows and jalen ham and and uh and uh and uh colin sexton go at it again like evidently these kids were on the circuit against each other and damn near fought each other like every time i guess now he's he's an exciting but, prospect you know it'll be interesting to see how he develops well, you know, it's kind of like it's it's a little De'Aaron Foxish, honestly, because he looks so fast too, and he is such. And you know how much I loved Fox, who also had swag and kind of had the ferociousness. F Fox you know? has discipline though, and Sexton really doesn't. That's that's the big difference between those guys. I think. I bet he learns it playing for Avery Johnson. Hope so. You think that's gonna fly? No. <laughs> <You know what? laughs> So you can go check out Kevin's NBA Fans Guide to College Basketball, and there's a couple really great games that are going on tonight. Kevin, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, brother. Have a good one, Chris. It's going to do it for another NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week.
NBA show brought to you by Wish. Want to say big? Over 300 million smart and thrifty shoppers have discovered Wish, the mobile mall app that makes it easy to shop fashion, shoes, electronics, and more directly from the makers. That way you pay 60 to 90% less than what you pay in a store. And now for our listeners, Wish is offering all new users a free gift with purchase. But dedicated Wish lovers, don't worry, you're not being left out. All listeners can download and open your Wish app, find the things you don't even know you needed, and enter the code RINGERNBA for 20% off your purchase. 